Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. The question that I will be tackling today is by no means an easy one. It is a question that has filled volumes upon volumes of books and consumed the thoughts of countless saints. I do not intend to compete with such breath, but I do intend to provide some basic general answers. The perplexing question at hand for today's episode is, why does God allow evil to exist? For those listeners seeking a deeper analysis of the topic, I've included a link in the description to a book by Dr. Norman Geisler titled, If God, Why Evil? Dr. Geisler is a trustworthy apologist, and in his book, he answers how a loving God can preside over a world filled with evil. The setting in which we will answer our question comes from the book of Habakkuk. In chapter 1 of the book, the prophet looks out at his fellow Jews in the kingdom of Judah and sees lots of evil. He sees injustice, violence, destruction, strife, and wickedness. He cries out to God because it seems as if God is turning a blind eye to all that is happening. He cries out to God and begs for a response. In verses 5 to 11, God then responds, but God's answer is less than satisfying to Habakkuk. God, in fact, tells his prophet that he is doing something about the rampant evil, but his solution to the problem is so radical that Habakkuk won't believe him when told. What God says is that he is fully aware of and sees all the evil happening around Habakkuk, and what he intends to do is raise up the Babylonians to be his instrument of judgment. The Babylonians would be a fierce, devouring force that would do violence and sweep through the land. God's answer truly is shocking because from Habakkuk's worldview, the Babylonians were the bad guys. Habakkuk 1.8 says they are a people keener than wolves in the evening. The evening wolves are far more predatory than the daytime wolves because the only reason the evening wolves are out at night is because their belly is not full. In 1.11, God says the Babylonians are a people whose strength is their God. In other words, they don't have time for the Lord because they're too busy admiring themselves. In many ways, God's answer frustrates the prophet even more. On the one hand, God is not allowing evil to go unchecked by raising the Babylonians to judge. But on the other hand, the Babylonians themselves are not angels. So why does God allow evil to exist? The first reason is that God allows evil to exist, but the evil itself is alien to God. How evil exists does not have to do with God actually creating evil. As Psalm 5-4 says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. Evil is something separate and other to the Lord. A big stumbling block for many people is that when they see evil, they think that God either manufactured it or that He condones it by His perceived inaction. The reality is that the mere existence of evil neither means that God authored it, nor does it mean that God approves of it. So, when Habakkuk became aware of God's plan to use the Babylonians as instruments of judgment, this did not mean that God caused the Babylonians to do violence, nor does it mean that God morally approved of what the Babylonians would do. Verse 11 of chapter 1 tells us that God would in fact hold the Babylonians guilty for their actions, meaning what they were going to do was objectively wrong. Ultimately, God allows evil to exist because God allows people that commit evil to exist. 
evil is not abstract. It is a real palpable force that is animated by flesh and blood individuals. And at the end of the day, God never has to incite anyone to evil because human beings are perfectly capable of doing that themselves. Jeremiah 17.9 speaks of the human condition and says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, as a result of being fallen people living in a fallen world, our hearts have a built-in ability to cause evil. We don't need any help from God. In fact, by His common grace, what God does do is act to purposely restrain evil every moment of every day. So how does God restrain evil? As Romans 1, 18-20 says, He writes His law on our conscience so that we have an internal embedded sense of right and wrong. Our conscience is a personal restraint against evil. Our conscience is what tells us, hey, that's wrong, don't do that. When we violate what our conscience tells us, we feel guilty, and guilt is an abnormal, burdensome feeling. There are some people who spend lots of money on counseling and take medication for years, all in an attempt to assuage unresolved guilt from a burdened conscience. Guilt purposefully paralyzes a person and nudges them to seek pardon for their guilt. God also restrains evil by our families, which are a relational restraint against evil. Deuteronomy 6, 6-9, Proverbs 19, 18, and Ephesians 6, 1-4 all testify to this fact. Since the beginning of time, family has been the primary social unit and building block of society. Older generations impart wisdom and teach younger generations what is right and what is wrong. If a child were to deviate and do what is wrong, parents restrain said evil by discipline. God also restrains evil by civil authority, which is a societal restraint against evil. As 1 Peter 2.13 clarifies, God has ordained governmental authorities, and those authorities wield the power of the sword to restrain evil by punishing the wicked. So, God is neither the author of evil, nor does he condone it. In fact, what he does do is actively restrain evil by three natural means. On a personal level, via the conscience. On a relational level, by the family. And a societal level, by civil authorities. God takes all of these steps to prevent people from being as bad as they could be. God takes all of these steps because evil is alien to him and he seeks to minimize its damage. But still... Why does God allow evil to exist? The second reason that God allows evil is because God is patient. In the beginning, God created a paradise where evil did not exist. It was the turning away from God by Adam that poisoned God's perfect creation. Now that we dwell in a fallen world, God allows evil because his desire is to save, not to condemn. 2 Peter 3.9 says it best, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is far more patient than any human being. He is certainly infinitely more patient than me. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet began the book wanting God to act right now. Habakkuk ran up to the prayer counter and asked God for a speedy order of judgment to rebuke all of his countrymen who were acting badly. 
Judgment was not speedy, and the people back then had time to consider their ways. Because God is not in a rush to condemn, He always gives people space, time, and lots of opportunities to turn from their ways. Why? Because He is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. When we think about evil, it is very easy to look at other people and say, Hey God, why don't you do something about them? Yet, when we turn the lens of inspection on ourselves, we're not so demanding for God to act. When you read the Bible, all the people that God used were imperfect, and God demonstrated tremendous patience with all of them. God's grace animates His patience, and if God was impatient, sinners wouldn't stand a chance. Just ask Father Abraham when he was lying. Just ask Jacob when he was deceiving. Just ask David when he was committing adultery. Just ask Peter when he was denying Christ. And just ask Paul when he was murdering Christians for a living. Praise be to God that God is full of grace and that that grace manifests as patience. God, why were you not so quick to judge and smite me when I was playing the harlot? patient grace. God, why did you allow evil to dwell in my life for so long? Patient grace. Why did God allow the prophet Habakkuk to ask biting, sarcastic questions that challenge his maker? Patient grace. God allows evil to exist because God is patient. The third reason God allows evil to exist is because of pride. That is, God does not have to allow anything when the factory for evil resides in prideful hearts. Sometimes we can often overthink things. We begin to rationalize how bad can exist in the world in which a good God rules, yet we fail to grasp the explanation right in front of our faces. That because of pride, people think they can do better than God. Where I live in the shadow of New York City, it would take less than five minutes talking to people on the street to figure out that many people don't see a need for God, think his prescriptions are outdated, or that he has no relevance to modern life. They trust themselves more than the Lord. So, if a person's ultimate authority is themselves, then evil is a logical consequence. In speaking about the Babylonians, Habakkuk says in chapter 1, verse 7, their justice and authority originate with themselves. If the explanation for their evil rests within themselves, we don't have to look beyond them to explain where the evil comes from. Evil is intimately related to pride in that both are unreasonable. If evil has enough, it still wants more. For those who are prideful, they may have a lot because they have been given a lot by God. This means they are the most in debt to the Lord, but they give Him the least credit. Evil spits in the face of God's holiness, and whatever form pride takes, it is always spiteful to God. In fact, pride is even spiteful to other people because even unbelievers don't like stuck-up people. A person full of pride is empty of the truth because a person full of the truth worships God. Evil flourishes in the darkness, and pride does not seek the light. Pride rejects being saved by grace because it says to itself, I am okay. Pride feels perfectly comfortable living a life as if God did not exist, and in such a life, there is no distinction between what is mine and what is thine. As a result, people can do as they wish, even if that means strife, violence, and evil run amok. 
Now, how much more is God worthy to be praised and glorified when he takes a heart saturated with stony pride and turns it so that it softens and sings warm song of adoration and love to the gracious Lord who demonstrated mercy and not judgment. The final thing I will say is that at the end of the day, yes, evil exists, but evil exists in a universe in which God is sovereign. Evil neither catches God by surprise, and even when men devise diabolical wicked schemes, their malicious intent never overrides God's sovereignty. This is perfectly embodied by Jesus on the cross. The Jews thought they would expediently execute the blasphemer who dared to call himself the Son of God. The Romans thought they were just crucifying another man and that they would yet again demonstrate the power of the Roman state. Yet, in spite of the fact that evil men devised and executed an evil plan, God's plan overrode all of that. God allowed the evil to happen. He allowed the crucifixion of his son so that the door to redemption would be open, so that it would set up the greatest victory of all time, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What men meant for evil, God meant to be the means by which evil, death, and sin would be conquered for all time. In the case of his son, God allowed evil because he had a good and gracious intent above and beyond the acute evil. Now, when we look at sin in the world, we do either one of two things. We look back and see what God has already done to solve the sin problem through Christ's atonement on the cross. We also look forward cognizant that one day Jesus is coming back. When he does, all sin, all evil, and all wickedness will be judged. So for anyone outside of Christ, no one will get away with it. Evil may seem to triumph for a season, but that triumph is not real. It is an illusion that will be exposed for what it is when Christ inaugurates his eternal kingdom on earth. Then there will be no room for evil because light, truth, justice, holiness, and righteousness will reign with the King of Kings. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.